Great. Praise the Lord. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries Teleconference. I am Narda Goodson, your host, and tonight, praise God, I have a powerful rhema word, a now word from the Lord. Amen. And um, I have to tell you that for days I have uh, wept uh, over this word because of the weight of of this word, amen. So here we are. And, um, you know, tonight I want you to know that the Father loves you. He has plans for your life. He knows exactly where you are and what you need. I believe this word will transform your life if you apply the principle of God's word through faith and obedience. This is not going to be one of those hand-clapping, foot-stopping, shouting messages, okay? But it's a divine word from Abba, from our Heavenly Father, because there are some things that he is requiring of us. And so he's going to touch some things in our personal lives tonight because uh, before we, we can receive the direction of God, we need his correction, amen? If you have your Bibles or if you have a note, just uh, a notepad, just take these notes. I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning at verse 7. As for you, O son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word from my mouth and give them the warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die. But you do not speak out to dissuade him from his way. Then that wicked man will die in his iniquity. Yet I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you warn the wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from it, he will die in his iniquity. But you, but you will have saved your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. It is your spirit tonight that is upon me because you have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You have sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so I now ask you to take this gift that you that, that came from your hands and this platform and use it for your glory. I turn it all over to you. Use my lips to communicate effectively with clarity of thought and brevity of speech to declare, to utter, to deliver that which you have placed in my belly. Now, Spirit of the living God, touch these lips of clay, for without you I can do nothing. Holy Spirit, I am your vessel. I yield myself to you, to be used by you, and to speak what you have heard the Father spake. Anoint these words. Empower your, your message, God. Break us from the chain. Change, destroy mind bondage and mind blockage, interrupt and destroy the works of the enemy and expose those areas in our lives where we have missed the mark, where we need to build our arts back to you and where we need to repent so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let your words fall on good ground. Let your word change us, Lord God. Let it convict us. Let it consume us. Let it challenge us in the name of Yeshua, Hamashiach, and let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the book of Judges, I know I just read to you from the book of Ezekiel, but I'll, I'll get back to that later on in the message. At the bo- end of the book of Judges, we are left uh, with every man doing that which was right in his own eyes. 
And doesn't that sound like us today? There is a huge lack of reverence for the Lord and how we handle his business. It is very scarce. There seems to be no authority. There's no accountability. Everyone seems to have like their own interpretation, their own word of God, pretty much everyone being pulled to his or her own way. Uh, then two books later, we have the book of Ruth, which is uh, really a powerful story told in only four chapters. And then we come across the book of First Samuel. And this story is about Eli, who had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. This story is a sadly grave story because it's a, it is a story with a tragic ending. You see, Eli was a high priest. And he was serving in the temple of God. The scripture records that his two sons were also serving as priests too. And what a privilege. Look at this. What an honor it is to, to have your children working with you in ministry. And, and today this will probably uh, be equivalent to a pastor and his kids. You know, uh, we call them PKs, preacher's kids. <laughs> but like many today, the two sons, they grew up in the temple. You know, they grew up in church. They had the privilege to do God's work and serve as priests just as their father and their father's father had. It was in their lineage, so they inherited this. But just because they worked in the temple, it didn't mean that they were actually sons of God. Please hear me. Just because people work in the church, just because people have ministry, this doesn't qualify and make them sons or daughters. You see, Hosni and Phineas, they had titles. They had positions. They were involved in church matches, in leadership. They were in the temple, supposedly, doing the Lord's work. But what did they lack that the Bible calls them not sons of God, but sons of Belial? Belial means devil. So the scripture says they were the sons of Satan. Hear me, beloved of God. Judgment begins in the house of God. Hosni and Phineas were sleeping around with the temple women. They were adulterers. They were fornicators. They were thieves who were defiling the holy offerings of the temple. It was so bad. And it was, and, and look, they weren't even hiding it. It was obvious that the men of Israel abhorred going to the temple. Doesn't that sound something like today? People hate coming to church because they see the hypocrisy. They see a double standard of living. Do you know what abhor means? Abhor means to detest, hate, loathe, despise. Their actions and their conduct made the people feel this way. So let's apply this to today. What are we doing? And what are we saying today that are causing people to hate God's house? How are we behaving? Is our conduct causing a stomach block to those who are watching from the outside and looking in? And these are the ones that are in need of salvation. They're in need of salvation. These are some real questions that deserve some real internal evaluations and answers. When we are introduced to Eli, he's a high priest, okay, and he's serving in the temple. He has position and he has power. But when you read his story, he never seems to execute them properly. In First Samuel chapter 1, we are introduced to Elkanah. And Elkanah, who has a conflicting family issue, 
He's got drama mama in his household, okay? He's got two wives, Hannah and Penina. One is popping out babies like a gumball machine, but the other is barren. In fact, the, the Bible records that Penina, uh, she was a rival to Hannah and would provoke and taunt her viciously. You see, people will hate you because of how others love you. Penina knew that Elkanah loved Hannah. Even though she was barren, even though God had shut up her womb, there was something about Hannah that Elkanah loved. And, and so we, uh, to, move, to not be able to produce a child was considered a curse. And it was looked down and scorned very heavily in those days. But Elkanah loved him some Hannah. And in verse 6 of First Samuel chapter 1, whenever the day came for, for, them to, you know, for him to present his sacrifice, he would give portions to Penina and to all her sons and daughters that he had with her. But to Hannah, the Bible says he will give her a double portion. But see, Penina, look, this, this woman was wicked. She would not cease fire. She would torture Hannah year after year after year after year. And it is this very attack of hate and ridicule that leads Hannah and that pushes this Proverbs 31 graceful wife to be found weeping but praying at the altar. See, she's weeping, but she's praying at the altar. Some of us, instead of fighting back, hallelujah, we need to be praying at the altar. Amen? Now, it's important to note that in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 9, Eli is sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And I almost missed this. The seat that Eli sat upon is the seat where he served as judge and as high priest to give advice in difficult cases, uh, to try and judge uh, all, the, all the causes that were brought before him, okay, and to inspect and direct the worship of God. From where he sat, he was able to witness Hannah uh, praying to God at the altar, okay? This woman was in great distress. So there was a grief that flooded this woman's soul that as she was praying, her lips quivered and moved, but there was no audible voice that could be heard. Now imagine desiring something so badly, and in this case for her, it was a baby, but not being able to produce because of barrenness. But you see, God had not denied Hannah. He hadn't denied Hannah. After all, it was he, God himself, who had shut up her womb and made her wait a while. You see, sometimes we, we want something too soon. We want it too early. But the Father knows that we're not ready just yet. But delay doesn't mean denied. Somebody needs to clap right there. Delay doesn't mean denied. There are some things God was cultivating and working out in, the, in Hannah's personal life. So she had to temporarily, uh, she had to uh, temporarily, sorry, he had to temporarily deny the request of the promise in order to prepare her, in order to process her for the prophet, the future prophet. She would soon carry in her womb. Hallelujah. You see, that, that which God impregnates us with, has to have a time to cook within our bellies, okay? The vision is for an appointed time. Habakkuk chapter 3 says it. It has a rightful season, but it will not come before it's time. Now let's get back to Eli. Eli had a seat. He had rulership, but he had no insight. 
But yet here he was as the priest of his home with two back kids and the high priest and judge in the temple and of all of Israel. There is nothing more frustrating than following someone who won't lead and definitely following someone who won't do what is right. Eli and his sons died because they served as priests in the house of God but were doing things and behaving in ways that were unfit, unsuitable, and dishonorable in the temple. Eli failed as a father and as a leader because he neglected, now listen to this, he neglected to bring correction and order when it was both required and necessary. Correction seems to be a curse word today in Christianity. Hmm, something to think about. I want, you to, I want you to know, listen, that if you stand in any position of leadership or influence, whether it's, a, whether it's in the workplace, in the ministry, place, or the home, you have a moral obligation to speak and bring correction when something is off. I'm going to say it again. You have a moral obligation, a biblical mandate to speak and bring correction when something is off. If you fail to bring the word of rebuke to those with whom you are connected to, especially those that, that have walked with you hand in hand in ministry, what did Ezekiel 33 and verse 7 say? God is going to hold you accountable. You see, the servant doesn't get to choose where he wants to go. He goes where the master sends him. And sometimes I must admit that, you know, God sends his people into some really hard places, some uncomfortable places. The servant doesn't get to choose the message either. God does. God gives the download. We do the upload. And like Uber, we deliver. We hear and then we obey. Now, this sounds, this, this sounds really nice when things are, are going good. When you're serving meals that are encouraging and they're inspiring people enough to dance and shout, right now they're receptive. They love you, and they will even call you teacher. They'll call you mentor, coach, big brother, or, or sister. They'll call you their leader. They'll call you their pastor. They'll even call you spiritual mother or father. But what happens when things aren't going as good and you find yourself having to deliver a word that isn't pleasantly received or even welcomed? You deliver it anyway. You see, people will celebrate you when things are smooth and promising, but people's heart become exposed when we have to speak a word that they don't like. Hebrews twelve eleven says, no discipline, no chastisement, which means severe criticism. It's a rebuke. It's a strong reprimand. It's never enjoyable at the time, but it's actually painful. If you've ever been corrected, and I have, it's very painful. It's never fun to be corrected. No rebuke ever feels good at the time. But if we learn to obey it, if we embrace it, if we receive it, and if we yield, yield to it the peaceable fruit of righteousness, that's what we'll, we'll produce. The peaceable fruit of righteousness will be yielded by those who have been trained by it. Listen, friends. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and he is admonishing us to put on righteousness. He wants us to wear it like a coat. He, he, wants, he wants you to wear it like your life depends on it, because guess what? Without holiness, the scripture says, no man shall see the Lord. 
We can no longer go on as, as usual people of God, you know, behaving common and careless and then placing our hands on the things pertaining to the temple like Uzzah who was struck dead for touching the Ark of the Covenant and who died because he, be, he was behaving so familiar with God. God is calling us to repentance and he's calling us unto holiness. Hear what Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20 says. In a great house, there are vessels of gold and silver and of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Don't you want to be a vessel of honor? Don't you want to be prepared and used by the master? I know I do. But we have to set ourselves apart so that it can happen. If we don't set ourselves apart, it's not going to happen, guys. Verse 19 says, nevertheless, God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord must turn away from iniquity. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord must turn away from iniquity. And just what is iniquity? Iniquity is immoral or grossly unfair behavior. It's wickedness, impropriety. In other words, improper language, behavior, and character. Verse 21 says, so if, so now it's contingent. If anyone cleanses himself of what is unfit, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, purified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. I don't know about you, friend, but I want to be used by the master. I want to be prepared for every good work. But I know that with the being prepared part, there's going to be times that the father will have to spank my hands or he's going to have to pull me to the side. And if I'm hard-headed and rebellious enough, he will have to take more severe action, like sitting me down or shutting me down, because he is a loving father. And he, and, and whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Don't we correct our children when they're out of order? But that's, that's exactly how God entreats us. The Bible says that if we are without correction, then we are, then we are illegitimate sons and daughters. First Corinthians 13 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, when I became a woman, I set childish, childish, childish ways. I put them aside. It's time to put the toys away. It's time to put the toys away. Let us not repeat the grave sins of Hosni and Phinehas. Let us not fail to act like Eli, who failed to discipline his two sons, to facilitate and bring order and correction to the house of God. The typical Eli is one who is a viewer but not a doer. The typical Eli is one who sees but doesn't perceive because he lacks spiritual discernment. The typical Eli looks the other way. The typical Eli fails to move in correction, judge with righteous judgment, and neglects to set things in order. The typical Eli loses the flavor in his salt, so he makes no difference when he enters the atmosphere. The typical Eli loses his sense of hearing because the Holy Spirit has stopped speaking. The typical Eli cannot see because since he can no longer hear, he can no longer see. In First Samuel chapter 3, it begins with the word of the Lord was scarce. 
and Eli's eyesight had grown so dim that he could not see. And so God had to speak to the child, Samuel. Imagine that. He knows he's no longer speaking to the adult because the adult is not listening, is not obeying. So now he's speaking through a child. The typical Eli loses, listen to this one, his spiritual potency. Potency. You see, God has ended his bloodline. God ended his bloodline. The window of opportunity had closed. And because they did not honor God, they lost everything. And with the world watching, God struck his two sons in battle. And when Eli heard that his sons had died, now check this out, he fell backwards in his chair, broke his neck, and died. The very seat he sat upon to rule was the very seat that brought about his judgment. There are souls at stake, people of God. The world is watching us. Eli and his son's tragic account is recorded for us to learn from and serve as a biblical warning because there are many Elis today. There are many Hophnais and Phineas handling the things, the sacred things of the temple, the sacred things of the church. It was a, a serious matter then, and guess what? It is still a serious matter today. For God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are children of light. And because we are children of the day, the Father expects us to walk in holiness, to move in his character, to behave with integrity, to live and work with others in reverence and holy respect as we work and operate in the kingdom, in the flow of his kingdom. I'm going to leave you with this one last scripture here. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. For you are the light of the world. A city on a hill, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works, your good deeds before men, and then they'll glorify your Father in heaven. He that has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit is expressively saying to his people. Now, Lord, I have delivered your word. I have instructed and warned your people. Sanctify them through your word, for your word is truth. And your word sets us free from bondage and from sin so that we can live a fruitful, productive, and empowering life for your glory and for your honor. I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to anyone who wants to be reconciled to God the Father. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Friend, tomorrow is not promised to us. Our sins, our wrongdoing, our rebellion against God and his word is what keeps us separated from him. But Yeshua said, I am the door to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is a gift that is made available to anyone who repents, who or anyone who believes and confesses that Yeshua is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead 
to save mankind. This, this gift cannot be earned or, or bought or, or through good deeds or just by simply being good. It, it is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. If you would like to receive Yeshua into your heart, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Your word says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call on you right now. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash me and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you to come into my heart and to be Lord over my life. I ask you to show me how to live this life for you. I now confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I confess and declare that Yeshua is Lord of my life. I thank you for the gift of salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by now and by faith, I receive this gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name, I am saved. Amen and amen. If you've prayed this prayer, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new you. We would like to connect with you, so please use the contact links on our social media pages or our website at nardagutson.com to let us know your testimony and how this ministry has impacted your life. To learn more, please visit www.nardagutson.com. Thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries Teleconference. I am your host, Narda Goodson. Be sure to tune in next week at 9 p.m. Central Time for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed Word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Good night.